Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Liam Maitland, KCBS foodie chap at the Ritz-Carlton Half Moon Bay. It's the Global Chef Series. Chef Michael Fiorelli, good to see you, Chef. How are you? Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, Great to be with you. Spent a morning with you in the kitchen. I learned nothing about cooking. Right. Well, then you uh, you left the same way you came in then, right? (laughs) Knowing nothing. I'm just just kidding. your meatballs, we got to make those, uh, me and, and, and 15 of my nearest and dearest friends. We're going to talk about that recipe uh, in just a moment. But first, I want to go back talk about your journey. What was that light bulb moment when you first stepped foot in a kitchen and you knew this was your love, this was your passion? You know, it was kind of, a, kind of an evolution for me. I had to get a job. You know, I didn't wake up, bounce out of bed one day and say, I want to go to cook or yeah. I want to go to work. Um, it was more my, my dad telling me one day, you know, you need to get a job. Yeah. And uh, at, 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 at what age was this? I was 12 years old. Yeah. Yeah. 12 years a old. A late bloomer then. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I grew so much between 11 and 12. It yeah. was like, uh, but, uh, you know, so that really that, that set the course for me. I mean, it could have been had I got a job mowing lawns, I might have a landscaping business today. Sure. Who, who, who knows? knows? But yeah. he got uh, funny enough. He had a buddy who had a who had a meat delivery truck and I wound up working on that truck in the summer. Um, we would get up, I'd get up four o'clock in the morning, drive into Manhattan, pick up the meat and deliver it to a restaurant. So at, at 12 years old, I was walking in the back door of, you know, kitchen after kitchen all day long, all summer long. And, and these kitchens at the time were, were like, you know, kind of like pirate ships, really. <laughs> they were not, they were not the, you know, professional kitchens that we were, we've come to know and be a part of today. Were they pirate uh, ships with lots of colorful language? Lots of color, <laughs> lots of lots of colorful language, uh, to say to say the least, you yeah. know. And uh, you know, it was at twelve years old. You're just, you're just, uh, it's captivating. And sure. I and I and I said, you know, I wanna, I wanna learn more about this. I yeah. wanna be, I wanna be a part of this. So then the next summer, I got a job washing dishes, and the rest, as they say, is history. But there's an interesting footnote to this story. Uh, <laughs> you were indeed the dishwasher. Uh, but there was something you were doing that led you to end up on the line, to end up being a cook. What happened? Right. Uh, <laughs> they, for the record. It's, yeah, yeah. It's we, we should drink before we tell the story. Absolutely. Uh, cheers, chef. Cheers. Here we go. Mm. Gosh. And oh. stories always go a little better when you've had a little sip of Murray Champagne. Um, <laughs> so I would, I wash dishes there. Uh, my brother was a waiter. And, uh, you know, it wasn't the the best uh, wasn't the happiest point of, of my life. I was back there. I got to see my brother out in the dining room having all the fun, you know, <laughs> hanging out, socializing. So I thought, and so it appeared to me. And I'm in the back, you know, kind of the kitchen troll, just try, scrubbing away, washing washing dishes. And this is not fair, is so, it? And didn't you get your brother to the job? Correct, correct. He has every yeah. he he has everything he has. He owes to me. So <laughs> uh, so um. You know, I was a little frustrated, and, and when dishes would come back and they were a little tougher to clean, I would have to scrub them for a long time. I would just, I just started throwing them. This is terrible. I feel really bad, um, and I don't advocate this at all, but no. I would throw them in the trash. Yeah. Kids, would, do not try this 
at, at your workplace. Right, yeah. My employees, if you're listening, please do not throw things in the yeah. garbage. Uh, so I would literally, French onion soup crocks, ketchup containers, I remember it like it was yesterday. I would throw them in the garbage thinking like, not thinking of the, the end result, just like they were going to go away for the moment. Not, you know. Uh, and then so uh, eventually my brother ratted me out. How dare he? I know, right? Yeah. You, you know, How rude. Family. Family. Uh, so... But probably the best thing he ever did, right? Uh, is that the best thing my brother ever did? Probably, yeah, yeah. I would say. It's a, his, his biggest accomplishment to date. Because your boss uh, came to you, and then what happened? Yeah, she said, Michael, we're, we, we've noticed uh, since you started here that we're missing an unusual amount of small wares, which is like china, glass, silver, stuff like that, silverware. And uh, she said, it's come to my attention that you're throwing it in the, in the garbage. And at that point, I just said, you know, there goes my beer money. <laughs> well, I was, I was 13, so it wasn't beer money, but spending money, whatever well, I was using it for. Chef, here's the deal. I was 14. I was a dishwasher. Uh, I also had to uh, clean those French onion soup bowls. Uh, I did not put them in. I did not put them in the trash. I did clean them. But that's where my culinary career began and ended, right there. <laughs> See? You said, yeah. So what happened with me as the owner, Melissa, she said, uh, you're throwing stuff away. I, I, caught, I admitted to it. You know, I said, yeah, I'm sorry. And impending termination right there. And uh, she said, so we're going to make you a cook. We're going to take you off the dish station. We're going to put you on the hotline and uh, you're going to be a cook. And her, her, her way of solving that, the problem was to just move me away, <laughs> remove me from the situation. But she didn't uh, fire you. She did not. She made me a cook. I started yeah. right then frying chicken wings and tortilla chips and making guacamole and salsa and all of whatever else. And uh, that was the start. That was the start of my journey from the dish station to, to the restaurant owner yeah the chef you did not go to college for cooking or for anything culinaire right. you had ambitions to be a writer early on right right yeah i went to school i was a, i was an english lit major not that i graduated with a with an english lit degree <laughs> don't get that story uh, twisted but mm-hmm. um but that was my that was my ambition yeah I, I wanted to write you got the bug early on for kitchens you never left the kitchens summer jobs do you remember your early accomplishments uh in the kitchen i know today we were in the kitchen with you and you shared your amazing meatball recipe um your mama growing up used to make meatballs uh i'm sure she inspired you in many ways but sure. do you recall what you cooked for her your first triumph cooking for mom for dad um you know i i left home when i was when i was very young um well, not very young 18 when everybody leaves home but i wasn't but, like but wait today that's young right. <laughs> today that's young yeah. 27 billy still no they don't uh, yeah. that's that's right today yeah. that is young um so so and then and i and i left the you know i left new york so i wasn't around to in my early career my parents didn't get to see kind of what i was doing which was at the time a little disappointing because they're like what are you doing you know i'm traveling around i'm going to Washington DC and Miami and Philadelphia and Colorado and Virginia and West Virginia working for like you know eight nine bucks an hour and in my 20s and yeah. my parents are like you know what are you <laughs> like you know when are you gonna get some sense and you know figure out what you're gonna do with your life they didn't quite understand like this is the this is this is very calculated sure. what I'm doing I choose to make minimum wage yeah. you know <laughs> at 25 years old and hopefully um, there'll be a little pot of gold at the end of that rainbow maybe one day so when they really got to experience what I was doing um i was in california because funny enough when you live in west virginia uh no one comes to visit you sure you know (laughs) why is that everybody's (laughs) when you live in west virginia everybody's too busy yeah you know but then you live in california and all of a sudden you're a hotel and the phone the phone's ringing off the hook every day (laughs) everybody we're gonna be here Uh tomorrow ironically yeah yeah yeah. so um so it was nice actually when i really got to cook 
um, food that was my own for my for my parents. I was it was when they had the opportunity to come to Love and Salt. To, yeah. to, so to see my whole inspiration is kind of you know things that I grew up uh, eating. You know, food that my that my mom and dad cooked, and then I just do it through my creative lens. So to for my parents to eat that food, I mean, they had tears in their eyes, you know, because they understood. And that's a beautiful thing. Finally, they probably got it, right? They got what this means for you. They understood your passion. Yeah, or the food was just way too spicy for them. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so uh, we'll go back to mom uh, yeah. and Sunday suppers or Sunday lunch uh, at home growing up. Meatballs often uh, on, on the table. What else was coming out of the kitchen at home growing up? Uh, we, we always had, you know, there was always pasta on the table. Yeah. Even Thanksgiving, we had pasta on the, on the table. Um, the, I think the biggest thing that I owe to my mother uh, and, my, and my father uh, is uh, the how much vegetables we ate sure. as a kid, yeah. and again, it was you know it was kind of out of necessity. Yeah. We had a garden uh, in the in our backyard, and you know my my parents both tended to that garden, and whatever was seasonal, you know, yeah. uh, tomatoes in the summer, and mm-hmm. you know we always had radishes around on the just sitting on the windowsill. You know, I remember taking tomatoes and just cutting them open and sprinkle with a little sea salt. I mean, you don't get those tomatoes were so good. You can taste them before you even put them in your mouth. I don't know if that makes sense. Absolutely. I I guess it's the scent of them, whatever, but before they even hit your lips, you can taste that once in a while. I'll taste a tomato like that now. And it just brings me right back to that, you know, being, being a kid. And my mom would make, you know, you know, fresh asparagus. And this is in the seventies and eighties where people were still eating vegetables out of cans or frozen vegetables, you know, Brussels sprouts. And I hated Brussels sprouts so much that I actually literally convinced my parents that I was allergic to Brussels sprouts. (laughs) They, they literally thought I had an allergy because I would go through this gagging routine where I just couldn't, Swallow them. And, Do you eat uh, them today? I love them. I love them. Me I? too. Isn't that wild? Did not like them as a kid. Didn't like cabbage as a kid. And now, give me cabbage. Give me sprouts. Yeah. It's funny. And, you know, my mom used to say, you're going to thank me someday for this. And uh, she was wrong. I still don't thank her. for. <laughs> but she says, you know, now, isn't it funny that I made Brussels sprouts for years? I mean, you hated them. And now you make Brussels sprouts and you love them so much. And I half-jokingly, I say, you think it has anything to do with the way we prepare them? <laughs> you know, maybe I didn't like the way you made your Brussels sprouts. And... <laughs> So the meatballs uh, that we made in class today, uh, are they on the menu at Love and Salt? Yeah, yeah they're, they're our number one selling dish at Love and Salt, and it's the number one requested recipe when people ask me for recipes. Now, are they your mama's meatballs, or are they the not-your-mama's meatballs? They are um, <laughs> partial credit to my, to my mom. You know, my mom isn't the best uh, at recipes. So initially, when I wanted to introduce meatballs to the menu, I called my mom, and I said, you know, Mom, I, I need your your meatball recipe and, sure. and uh, you know it started off with oh a, a couple of handfuls of of meat you know and uh, you know i was like okay i let her finish out the recipe just to kind of you know to 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 give her her due respect but uh i can't work like that you know what i mean i needed something a little more specific so i took what she what she told me and kind of just put my little spin on it so let's talk through the recipe a three meat meatball recipe yeah, so you, you, I start with beef. I prefer beef, pork, and veal. I like to use the three meats because uh, the, you know, the, the beef will give it flavor, the, the veal will keep it tender, and the pork adds that, that richness, you know, the, the, the fattiness that it, that it needs. Um, and then it's, it's really simple from there. Uh, a couple different cheeses, Parmesan ricotta cheese. Yeah. Uh, the, the bread is a key for me. I, instead of breadcrumbs, which a lot of people will do, I like to cube you know, day-old bread, white sure. bread, or whatever you have laying around. It's not really, it doesn't have to be too specific. Yeah. And then soak that bread in milk. And then when the bread is softened, I, I squeeze the milk out and add it to the to the meatballs. Yeah. Um, 
And you said, you know, uh, obviously today we cook them. We're going to enjoy them for lunch in just a bit. But some, sometimes the day after they taste even better. So you can prepare the day before if you want and then cook them the next day, right? Oh, definitely. All week. You know, my mom, this is another thing I got from my, from my parents. Uh, my mom would make things like meatballs and uh, all kinds of stuff and, and put it. We always had a Tupperware of tomato sauce and something in the freezer, <laughs> like, like always. That was our after-school snack. Um, even the, the tuna we made today or the, or the uh, meatballs or whatever, there was always like, it was basically like, we know there's a Tupperware of tomato sauce in the freezer. What's in it? We're not really <laughs> sure, but, you know, it was, it was, you know, that's come home after school and, and, and some meatballs and tomato sauce, heat those up and go to town. So in that tub, was there always love and salt? Always, yeah. always. That's where it started from, sure. you know. Uh, let's talk about the menu at your restaurant, Chef. Love and Salt uh, in Los Angeles. Tell me about where you are and tell me about the menu. Uh, define the menu if you can. Sure. So we're, we're in Manhattan Beach, California, a very, very special uh, place. It's what I, I love. There's such a community there and, and what unique to L.A. or, you know, what, what you don't find in L.A., but you do find in Manhattan Beach is uh, it's almost like it, I always say it's very East Coasty, meaning sure. like you have a downtown. You know, we have a main street. Uh, there's a butcher shop. There's an ice cream shop. There's yeah. a barber shop. There, you know, there's a little deli. Uh, and I, that's how I grew up. You know, you don't really find that in LA, but you have that in Manhattan Beach. So when you have that downtown, that main street, it really fosters that sense of community. Sure. And I was looking for a restaurant space. I always said this. I always said I want to be in an area, a community that needs me as much as I need them. Yeah. You know, and I want to so we can live off of each other and support each other. Um, and I really found that in Manhattan Beach, and it's really special. And so on the menu, we'll find the meatballs. What else will we discover yeah, on the menu? Find the meatballs. You know, we we, we do a lot of. Uh, the, it's basically what I do is you know we, we call it. Uh, uh, Italian inspired with California soul, and Love all, all yeah. that that means is that we, you know, the food is inspired by Italy, uh, and the and the product is from from California, as close to home as sure. as possible. Which is really how they cook in Italy. It's funny, all these these guys, a little off topic, but these, you know, I guys and girls, people open restaurants, at the, and I hear it all the time. I'm opening an authentic Italian restaurant. <laughs> uh, everything's going to be authentic Italian. I'm going to import all my tomatoes from Italy. All my olive oil is going to be imported from Italy. All my flour, my double zero flour, it's going to be all imported from Italy. It's authentic Italian. And, like, nobody in Italy would open a restaurant and fly their product halfway across the world no. and call it authentic anything, no. you know? So the footprint's five miles or ten miles. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it's like, especially in California, why jump over your backyard to, you know, to find product? When, yeah. So I like to think that I cook really the way people do. You know, people will come in and say, oh, this isn't Italian food. And it's like, what you're thinking of is probably more American food than Italian food, you know? Sure. Do we have pasta with kale in it? A hundred percent, you know? Uh, because that's what grows in California. So my yeah. mom used to make orecchietti with sausage and broccoli rabe. Yeah. Um, in California, I, I do a, I do a, at Love and Salt, I do a pasta dish with, with uh, fennel sausage. I did it at Navio last night. Uh, it's pasta with, with fennel sausage and, and black kale. You know, because that's what yeah. that's what bridges the California Italian connection. You yeah. know, it's 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 an Italian inspired recipe, a recipe I grew up eating and using product that grows a mile away from my restaurant. So, chef, that brings us to the Ritz Carlton, Half Moon Bay, uh, the global uh, cuisine series. First of all, just to be here, uh, this is a little slice of heaven on the California coast. Have you been here before? And what did you make of being here at the Ritz Carlton in this spot right here? I've never, I've never been here before. It's amazing. Like, you know, I, I actually, I knew everybody knows about the Ritz-Carlton Half Moon Bay. I know, I've known Chef Xavier for years, um, but I've never been to the hotel. And I, I looked it up online, you know, and uh, just 
blown away just but it doesn't the the, the internet doesn't do it justice no you know what we're looking at right now is just yeah unreal uh we're royally smiled when you walk in the door the first thing you see is the ocean through the conservatory uh and you know you're in a little piece of paradise right here i came in the door and i started taking pictures right away and the sad thing is this morning i'm looking at my pictures and it's like it's just not the same you know like instagram is not going to do this place justice because it's just it's that beautiful uh You've been in the kitchen. You were with the team yesterday. Uh, you had your special menu at Navio. Uh, how is it for you being a visiting chef uh, and to, to just, you know, elbow in with the team here? You know, it's um, really it's great being here. I've done a, f- a few things like this, similar yeah. in style. I like to kind of get out of the kitchen, meet other people, sure. learn from other people. But it can be a little bit... Uh, when you go into another kitchen, you know, you're in your own kitchen, you're, you're the chef. You know, that's it's right. it. It's, it starts and ends with, with me, and uh, that's just the, the way it goes. And, and you're I, probably the only person in the kitchen that people are calling chef. Correct. Yeah. It, uh, you know, at your kitchen. Uh, right. <laughs> at, at Love and Salt, people say chef. They're talking to me. I'm in Navio <laughs> Kitchen last night. I must have turned around 40 times. Someone says chef, and I turn around, <laughs> and I'm like, they, they're not talking to me. They're like, who's this guy? But it can be a little bit daunting when you come in. You know, you're, you're so in your routine every day, and you, you like to think you're, you're, you're doing things right and the right way. And... And uh, then you come here and you can't find the salt and the cutting boards and you, you just look like a bumbling idiot. Um, but I have to say, which can happen, but here at, at, uh, at the Ritz-Carlton, they have been so accommodating to me. I almost literally for a while felt like I was in the way yesterday. I mean, it's my food and I'm like, I'm asking, can I do anything to help? And they're like, no, 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 you're fine. Hang out, have a glass of wine. And I'm like, come on, you know, it's got to be something I can do. Well, so. they know hospitality, uh, Chef Savier. Uh, always, I mean, when he, when he works with chefs, welcomes with open arms. And you have some chef pals in the area. I know Chef Rupalm, Dumb SF, is on my street, on 24th Street, uh, in the Mission in San Francisco. And there's a chef with the Ritz-Carlton sensibility, but with food from his homeland that he's serving up at Dumb SF. It's got to be cool for you to see chefs grow and evolve and become the chefs that they want to be. A hundred percent. Because we all, you know kind of start out the same way everybody you don't know it takes you a while as a chef like anything i think any career that has uh some 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 passion and vision attached to it you it takes you a while to to find your uh your voice as a a chef you know what's going to be my style when i started out i was doing an apprenticeship under a european master chef you know super french technique and and uh you know some some techniques we we they don't even teach anymore sure uh which makes me feel old but (laughs) But it's true, and you're like, where all, all you know is what the chef says, and that's the, yeah. that's the way to do it. There's, there's one way, and that's the chef's way. And then you go work for another chef, you know, and he or she, uh, they do it differently. Sure. And you're like, ah, this is all wrong. The last guy said, but then you see the result, and oh, it's just, it's yeah. not wrong, it's just different. And it takes you a while to, for the good part of your early career, you're basically just kind of regurgitating other people's techniques and recipes until you find, until you till you uh kind of mad there's a saying in cooking it's actually a japanese saying it doesn't translate perfectly but it's uh in order to break the rules you must master them first so you have to really sure. understand what they what those rules are before you can start breaking them and I, I really believe that about cooking you really have to once you have the foundation down you understand how how cooking and food work then you can start finding who you are as a chef well chef uh 
you've made your mark. You continue to make your mark uh, at Love and Salt uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, we thank you for coming up here to uh, to the Ritz uh, and sharing your incredibly tasty. I'm going to say they're, they're tasty, but I haven't had them yet. But we're about to sit and have lunch. <laughs> I, 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 we're doing I, the I, interview I, first. Yeah. <laughs> I would hate for this to go the other way. But we're <laughs> going to we're going to sh- we're going to share uh, the recipe uh, with our listeners. Uh, and Chef, thanks uh, thanks for hanging out uh, more than. Love your recipe, but I love your stories. You're a great storyteller. Thank you so much. I really yeah. appreciate that. Thanks for, thanks for being a part of it all. Thank you, Chef. And, um, you know, one more. Salute. Cheers. Here we go. Cheers. Thank you so much, Chef Michael Fiorelli. The restaurant is Love and Salt in Los Angeles. Go pay him a visit. Don't mention my name because you won't get in. Uh, <laughs> the recipe and chef story and more on the Global Cuisine Chef Series here at the Ritz-Carlton. Half Moon Bay. You'll find it at kcbsradio.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.